0: We have a God that is so worthy to be praised. We are so fortunate. I, uh, I don't think any of us have a have a clue of how amazingly fortunate we are that we know and can love the Lord our God, and we're not in a in the in the in the midst of this society that has people running to and fro, just making and mocking, making fun of our God and mocking him. It's, I just my heart breaks for him. I saw a program just this week where. And it just, just blasphemed God in, in every way and shape and form. And uh, we are just a fortunate people to, to have the, the ability to know our, our God. I, I want to make this announcement to you before we begin. There's a couple of things I want to say. Number one is um, we're having our, um, uh, the mob uh, dinner in about three weeks. Uh, the uh, information about it is in your bulletin. It's uh, the final mob kickoff for the study of the book of Genesis. And uh, if you've not been in the study as yet, don't allow that to stop you from coming, gentlemen. Uh, come anyways. Have some f- time with us. Uh, we'll have some bite to eat. We'll have some really a good time. We'll be worshiping the Lord, and we're going to kind of have an overview on the legacy of, of Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph uh, in, in the book of Genesis. So look in your, um, your bulletin and see when it is. It's in about three weeks from now. I'm going to remind you again. But just wanted you to be forewarned. Um, a few weeks ago, I told you that we had um, a time where we took some fourth and fifth and sixth graders for the first time ever on uh, on a uh, uh, a summer I mean, excuse me a winter uh, trip, and uh, they just had a, a great time. I, I wish that we had uh, the equipment. We will maybe, by God's grace, someday have the ability to do videos and show you more precisely of what took place. But we have some wonderful slides. Some wonderful uh, photos of what took place. Uh, You need to know that um, there were uh, 10 scholarships that were given because of of your faithful giving unto the Lord. We were able to put that money aside and help young people to go that maybe couldn't have gone out of that trip. As I I think, there were eight young people that rededicated their life to Christ. I mean, these 9, 10, 11-year-olders. Rededicating their life back to Christ, and one young person accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Yes. Well, we're going to get into some very serious business uh, now concerning the Word of God. Not that none of it, uh, all of it isn't, but this is uh, something where um, you know uh, angels uh, fear to tread. I believe uh, we're going to be talking about your financial giving. Isn't that going to be fun? <laughs> no, uh, what we're going to be talking about is what our Lord says is uh, how we should be continually devoted to the things of God. Turn with me to Acts chapter 2. Let's remind ourselves. It says in Acts chapter 2, starting with verse 41, that there were 3,000 souls that kind of come, come together. Peter had spoken. Uh, they accepted Jesus Christ and And 3,000 souls gathered together, and in verse 42 of Acts chapter 2, it says what I believe is to be the theme of us as a church. If you want to know what I'd love for our church to become like is what it just says in a few words, they were continually devoting themselves. I think that's the essence of what I would like to kind of drive home in our lives, your life and my life, that we would be a people that are continually devoted to the things of God. Now, when we build a church, you want to build a church upon what God wants to build a church upon. And we believe he mentions here very clearly by what the apostles taught, what they were continually devoted to is what I think was the essence of the church. And it was four things there in verse 42. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They were devoted to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Now, we went over that and we took a look at each one of those points We saw that to learn God's word means that you and I are a people that have a a head start on what does God expect from us. Then to have fellowship with one another, that word means to partner or to share. And we said Ephesians 4.12 tells us that we ought to equip one another for the work of service so as to ultimately build up the body of Christ. And so we are to have fellowship with one another, sharing with one another the gifts that that the Holy Spirit has given to you and me so that we might build up this body. Then we are to seek forgiveness. Forgiveness is sought by understanding and realizing and recognizing and remembering what Jesus Christ did for us. And we do that most vividly through communion, the breaking of bread. We remember that our Lord God had went to the cross, shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sins, and we in return learn that we ought to forgive others who might have hurt us for whatever reason. And then ultimately we are to understand the power of prayer. But what we learned about prayer is it's not so much about us. It's not really to be what we want, what we need, what we desire, because our Lord tells us your father already knows this. What we are supposed to be are a group of people who want to exalt the name and bless the name of our God above and beyond any of our own personal wants, desires, or needs. And you're going to see in a moment when I read a prayer out of the Old Testament by King David, you're going to see how King David exalted the name of the Lord our God. Well, the fifth point that we need to look at is is mentioned in, in verses well, 44-45, it says, And those who had believed were together and had all things in common, and they began selling their property and their possessions and were sharing them with everyone as anyone might have need. Now, we've already taught, when we went through this the first time, you and I are not supposed to sell everything we have and just give it away. That's not the purpose of that. The purpose of that is, is, is really they shared as the need arose. They shared when there was a need. And so I want you to remember that as we go through this whole idea of giving, because I think there's so much about giving that is completely, totally misunderstood. And what I would love for you and me is to understand what God says to us, not only about how we're to study his word and have fellowship. We, we, I think we have a better grasp of that word fellowship now as well as how we are to have communion and, and most importantly, prayer. And now we learn about sharing, as anyone might have need. first thing I'd like for you and me to see is everything. Yes, everything that you and I have has been given to us from the Lord our God. I have called this process of life a a cycle of giving. And I'm going to show you in a moment how God expects for what he has given to you and me that we return back to him. This whole idea when we will be sharing about giving isn't going to be necessarily always about money. The whole idea of giving is when you receive a spiritual gift. He gives it to you for a reason. You take a hold of your gift and you give whatever portion you feel comfortable with back to the Lord and he so in return blesses you and so you in return bless him the same thing with your with your physical gifts the gift of singing for instance the gift of of whatever it is that physically you have you give that unto the lord as a a, a gift back to him and so with our finances what he gives to us we take that that, that gift that the Lord God has allowed us to to accumulate money whatever the amount and we accept that and we say thank you Lord and we give a portion of that back to him and what we want to learn is what what does it say when the Bible talks to us about our giving and so please pray with me please don't allow um, um, you know this barrier to put up uh, but what we want to do is uh, um, is to pray is to understand the whole idea of giving and not to put up a barrier. Let the Lord teach you. I think he's going to teach you something that perhaps um, will surprise you, I think. Um, and so we're going to take some time in studying this particular lesson about giving. Let's first pray. Dear, dear, dear Father, we would love to say holy is the most precious and most wonderful name of our Lord, our God. We, we call you holy, holy. Holy Lord God of hosts. We admit that heaven and earth is filled with your glory. And we call you Hosanna in the highest. Blessed be the name of our Lord, our God. And So, Father, we ask that you would bless us. Not not so much, Father, that we can be filled up with who we are, but so that when we receive your blessings, we can, as all people who love you, who are continually devoted to you, would give back a portion of what you have given to us so that we might show our faithfulness somehow, some way. And so, Lord, would you please teach us? We pray your teaching and we pray your blessings because we love you so much. Take me and move me aside, I beg of you, Father. Allow us to hear from your heart. In such a critical uh, uh, topic as this, Father, it, it, it kind of sets off different emotions when we talk about money. Let me be hidden. Let the people sense that you're speaking to their hearts. And may we learn from your word what it means to be a person who gives back to you. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I want you to see what I'm trying to explain, and you'll see it much better through King David. Turn to 1 Chronicles chapter uh, 29. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 20. What has taken place here is they're building the temple. And King David comes before the people and he says to them, what has taken place? Um, Let me turn with you, please, and find uh, uh, 1 Chronicles. It's it's kind of a big book. You'll be able to find it fairly easily. And I'm speaking only because I'm having trouble finding it. No, here it is. I got it. I got it. Chapter 29. Watch this. It's really, it's really amazing teaching. Someday we'll, we'll go through the book of Chronicles. It said, then King David said to the entire assembly, he is speaking before the people, obviously, and he says to them, my son Solomon, whom alone God has chosen, is still young and inexperienced, and the work is great, for the temple is not for man. It is for God. Listen, by the way, that's, that's everything in your life, in my life. It's all about God. It's it's not about us. It's not just the temple that David would say this about. Everything that he has, everything that he is, all that he does, all that he desires to do is to honor God. So our life is not about man. It's all about God. Now watch what he says. Verse 2, Now with all my ability I have provided, provided for the house of my God. Now he mentions the things that he had provided, gold, silver, bronze, all of those things. But look at verse 3. David says, moreover, in my delight. I want you to note those three words, in my delight. It's very important. In my delight, in the house of my God, the treasure I have of gold and silver, I give to the house of my God over and above all that I have already provided for the holy temple. David is saying, I have given, but I have given beyond. I have given in my delight. I have given beyond and then he mentions now in verses 4 and 5 what he has given then it says in verse 6 which is critical to know then the rulers of the fathers households the princes of the tribes of Israel the commanders the overseers of the king's work they offered how very important how did they offered in the new american standard it says willingly They offered willingly. Now what you have seen right now is the king himself, King David, has offered in his delight. And now we see the people that worked alongside of him, the princes, the commanders, the overseers, they also have offered willingly in his delight and willingly. Now watch. It mentions what they give. And now it says in verse 9, Then the people rejoiced. They rejoiced because they had offered what? So willingly, they made their offering to the Lord with a whole heart. And King David also rejoiced greatly. And so what we see is the proper order of giving. The giving goes from whoever is in control or in charge. Let's say, for instance, it's a senior pastor here, but we have kind of, hopefully have a different kind of a model for a church. We're all kind of in the same boat together. But we see from this, King gave the commanders, the princes, those who are alongside of them, like the staff they gave, and the people like you and me, the congregation, we all gave. We all gave in our delight and willingly with all our hearts. I'm going to tell you something. How many of you know about tithing? How many of you have ever heard the word tithe before? Ah, most of us. In the New Testament, tithing is unbiblical. There's no reason for you to understand or try to put a, 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 an amount on you that is a tenth. The word tithe meant ten. It meant like ten fingers, ten toes. It meant t- Really, it meant complete. And when they tithe, they tithe in the Old Testament out of what was the best they had to offer. God had said to them, look, some of you are giving me animals that are blind, and lame. Don't want them. Give me the best you have. A tithe was given in the Old Testament as a tax. I'll prove it to you in time, but I'll prove it to you by, by what I'm going to say right now, but right now I'm not going to, I will show you in, in, in time, I will show you how it, how it says this. A tithe was a tax. It was a tax for three different reasons, as I understand it. It was a tax upon the people so that the the nation of Israel could run smoothly. It was also a tax for the Levites. The Levites were the priests. They were the ones that did the spiritual things. You know, all of us guys in ministry, we've always been a drag on the people. They they didn't have to give, but the people gave a tithe so that the priests could live. So I thank you. No. (laughs) Thank you for laughing. I, I meant it to be. I meant it to be funny. But my sense, you, I'm no Mickey. <laughs> Mickey could make us laugh. I just, you, I just get a courtesy, you know. Third reason for tithing was in those days was for uh, welfare. It was for the poor. Let me give you an example. When they were to harvest the lands, most of the monies that they gave wasn't money itself. It was usually grain or animals. But when they harvested their land, when the Lord God gave them orders on how to, how to. Um, what did you, you know when they picked up all the crop? Harvest. harvest. That means harvest. When they harvest that, do you know what he asked them to do? He asked them to leave the edges uh, 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 not to harvest them. You know why? He wanted those that were traveling and those that were poor to have a place to go eat when they needed it. It was like a tithe. They did not take all of their land and take all of their grain or whatever it is they were growing. They left the edges so that when people were traveling through or where people got hungry and needed and didn't have enough, they could go to the person's land and take what they had so that they could have food. It was a sense of a a, 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 a tax, if you would, uh, for those that were in need. And so a tithe was taught in the Old Testament as a taxation. And the tithe was normally anywhere between 23 and 33% of the, what they had. That was how they were tithed. In the New Testament, you and I are not asked to tithe. We are asked to give out of a willing heart. We are asked to give in our delight. And I am going to prove that to you. And hopefully, I'm going to take the burden off of you trying to figure out how much you should give. I'll tell you how much you should give. Let's get this over with. If you give 10 cents, but giving two of those cents drives you up a wall just too much. You want to give 8 cents. (laughs) From SC, I won't be able to do it. Yeah, yeah. Eight cents. But you give ten. Grudgingly. Stop giving those two cents. Give what you can give out of the delight of your heart. What you can give willingly unto the Lord. Now that's a couple of sessions ahead of what we're going to talk about, but I might as well let you know up front. The Lord God is not concerned about your money, and therefore neither are we. We have a a purpose as a church, desires of things that we want to do. But you hold the reins to where we're going as a body of believers. By how you give of your spiritual gift, so that we can do more, you give back unto the Lord. He ends up then blessing you. You measure it and give back to the Lord. He has given some of you physical gifts, like the, the three ladies that sang, Oh my God. It was I, I, I'm sorry, but I, I, I jumped up here like I belonged. I just wanted to be close to them. I, I wanted to listen and hear. And He has given them this physical ability to lift up their voices. And they, when I was young, I loved Christmas, absolutely adored Christmas. Our family loved Christmas. Christmas was really special in our house. And I used to love Christmas songs. I still do. To this day, they bring back wonderful and rich memories. And I used to love, when I was older and before I became a Christian, I used to listen to Frank Sinatra and, 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 and Tony Bennett and... Um, uh, Barbara Streisand, and I would listen to these wonderful, gifted people sing. But once I became a believer, I, I couldn't hardly listen to them anymore because I felt like they were trying to entertain me. I'd much rather listen to Lauren sing because when, she's, when she gets up here and she sings, she's she's singing to the Lord. She has taken that physical gift that God has given to her. And she measures it out and she gives it back to him. And to listen to our people praise the Lord through the music of instruments and song, it stirs my spirit because I know they're giving it to him. And so it is that God Almighty will give you Whatever it is you make financially, and he gives this to you for a reason, and you measure it out, and you say to him, thank you, Lord, and you give back to him in return what you can give willingly, not being forced to give, but to give out of the graciousness of your heart. First Chronicles chapter 29, I want you to now get to why I started to say this. I coined a phrase. I don't know that anyone has. More than likely, someone has, because I've never had an original bone in my body. But somehow, some way, I, I I remember writing down in my notes long ago when I was talking about anything of spiritual giving is uh, the cycle of giving, and here's where it comes from. Now David is going to pray in verse ten. Uh, two things can be learned from this. Watch how he prays. Watch his his prayer. He knew how to pray before when the disciples came to the Lord and said, teach us to pray. And he says, well, then pray in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. And the whole idea, as we've already learned in our prayer life, is to exalt the name of our God. Watch King David pray. And here we get to stand as if we were there in the midst of the congregation. And we hear David bless the Lord in the sight of all the assembly. And David said, Blessed are you, O Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. You, O Lord, are the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. Indeed, everything that is in the heavens and the earth, you are dominion, O Lord. You exalt yourself as head over all. You see what he's doing? He's praising the name of his God in his prayer. Now watch verse 12. Both riches and honor come from you. You rule over all. In your hand is power and might. It lies in your hand to make great and to strengthen everyone. In God's hand, he gives them. In his hand first, he gives to the people. Watch, now therefore, verse 13, our God, we thank you. We praise your glorious name. Now, I love verse 14 because it is where I got the whole idea. King David says, But who am I? And who are our people that we can offer to you as generously as we have? Just sense the heart of David. Who am I, dear God? Who are these, your people, that we can offer to you as generously as this? Look, verse 14 in the middle. Because he says, all things come from you, and from your hand we've given to you. In other words, he takes and gives to them whatever it is that God sees fit to give to them. They take it, measure it out, and they give it back to him. It's come from your hand, O oh God. It comes to us and we give back to you, David says. Look it. He says we are just sojourners before you. We're tenants as all of our fathers were. Our days on the earth are like shadow. There's no hope. In other words, apart from you, we have no hope. We're just a shadow. We're just passing through this earth. And then he says in verse 16, o Lord, our God. All this abundance that we have provided to build you a house for your holy name, it is from your hand. It's all yours. Oh, folks, it is my heart's desire that you and I will understand that we are to give back to God what we are willing to give, no more and no less. We are not to give grudgingly. You can turn away from 1 Chronicles now We'll come back in the weeks to come, but find with me, please, uh, um, is, that, is that correct? Second Corinthians, yes. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. God does not ask you and me to give to Him grudgingly. He wants us to give out of a willing heart. It is not 10% that the Lord God wants from you and me. It's not a tithe. You're going to learn with me in the weeks to come that a tithe meant everything. What He wants from us is what we can willingly give to Him. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and verse 7, and stay here for a moment, because be, I'm going to go and look at another verse, but look, it says in verse 7, each one must do, just as they have purposed in their heart, not grudgingly, not under compulsion, in other words, nobody should make you, or, or, or intimidate you to give, because it says, God loves what? A cheerful giver. And so I am saying to you, I want to teach you one thing for sure. Don't give to this church anything that you give that makes you angry that you're giving it. Give what you can willingly give with a, with a wonderful open heart. But I'm hoping that I am going to be able to teach you. I'm not going to hide anything from you. I'm hoping that I'll be able to teach you like the spiritual gifts that you have been given. So you take it and you give it back to the Lord. Like the physical gifts that you have been given. So you take it and give it back to the Lord. So the financial gifts that you give. So you take it and give it back to the Lord. And what I'm going to try to do is to give you peace about what you've given to the Lord. I'll tell you why. Why? I want you to look with me now at verse 6. And I've really jumped a little bit ahead. But let me look at it because that's what I just moved to when I was speaking. Our giving properly carries with it one of the greatest blessings that you and I will ever be taught. And that is, look, at verse, at verse six, 6 of 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I say to you, Paul writes, the person who sows sparingly is going to reap sparingly. And the person who sows bountifully is going to reap bountifully. I know of no greater blessing than to allow you and me to reap bountifully from our Lord. In the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about what I consider to be the most important and yet most overlooked aspect of our faith, and that is how we handle the money that the Lord God has given to us. It is, I believe, one of the most abused aspects of Christianity because it has been so improperly taught. It has been abused by our own selves, personally. We have no clue how we give unto the Lord, and most of us give to Him improperly. And I want to teach you what I believe is going to surprise you about giving. But it is also abused because we have not been taught properly what the Bible says about Giving and also so many outside organizations, so-called Christian organizations on television, on radio, uh, Christian movements uh, who try to get a hold of you, get you on their mailing list, and, and, and lay guilt trips on you and me, uh, trying to move us to give unto them. I don't know about you. But whenever, and I don't do it much, but whenever I watch a guy on TV or on radio, if I'm listening in my car, and comes the time where he says, you know, these are the rough times in our ministry. And unless you give, we're going to have to close down this station. I yell back, close it. <laughs> close it, dude. Close it down. You don't have the money to fulfill what God's called you to do. Close it down. But don't beg me for it. Look it, I've been asked before to be on television. I know. I know. I know. I see myself in the mirror. I, you know How that was chosen, who knows? But I was asked, and I've turned it down every time, and I'll tell you why. I didn't want to put a burden upon the church because I was not going to go before that camera and ask the people that I was speaking to to support the ministry of what God has called me to do. That would have been yours and my burden, and I will not lay that on you. Number one, there are a couple of really great guys out there preaching, if we want to help anybody, we ought to support uh, a MacArthur or, or, um, you know, when, when... McGee was alive. I guess he's still kicking with his radio program. Thank God for technology and and, and men that, that really teach the word of God. Don't need another guy on there. And that's one of the major reasons why I'm here. This is it. This is my ministry. This is what I'm called to do. And I believe with all my heart this is what I will do until the Lord calls me home or until he shows me differently. But this is where I'm going to pour my heart and my life. And so there's no. I have no guilt trip when someone calls and tells me I need money to, to do this ministry. I will say, well, you know, how's your church doing? Is your church supporting us? No, our church can't afford you. Well, then maybe, maybe you're not called to this ministry. But I certainly can't support you, because my money comes to goes to the Rock Community Church. That's where I give. I give there with all my heart, with all my soul, and with all my might. And I give, in my delight. And I give willingly. And I'll tell you, I learned that giving from probably the finest person I've ever met in my life. One of the most godly persons i ever met. I had the privilege of marrying someone who understood giving. My wife, Kay. We are so opposite. When we married, there's still, to this day, we are so opposite. It's unbelievable. We, went, we took a test. And, and the people we took a test for when we were newly married, they said, you guys shouldn't be married it's water and oil you're going to really have problems she taught me how to give If, if, if in our house if things are not nailed down it's it's gone she will give it I'm in there with a hammer and nail let's, let's, let's not give this yet is that good? Um, and she taught me that there was no way that I could out give God and I've watched him and I've seen him firsthand bless us over and over and over again because my wife taught me to give and now I must confess to you I would be fearful not to give and I don't think in percentage points I think of what can we willingly give what can I give that I will not begrudgingly give I, what can I give in my delight? I want you to know that this is a, a difficult topic because immediately some people in this church are offended. I, I know that. You think I'm trying to get in your pocketbook. I promise you I'm not. I'm going to say something that's going to make Fred. He's not going to handle this. Linda, get him out of here for just a minute, and I'll ask him to come back. Yes, Who covers yours? if when we're through with this process of how to give financially you keep track of what you give unto the lord through this church and after a year you have not seen the blessings you have not felt the blessings you have not seen god move in your life and you feel that you grudgingly gave you show us what you gave and you whatever portion of that you want we will give back to you we don't want your money we want you to be blessed the one who sows sparingly, thanks Mark, the one who sows, you clap, but Fred didn't. I've had people tell me, get back into God's word. You're, you're kind of meddling now. You're getting into our pocketbook and that's not your business. I'm telling you, I know what you give is not my business. As a matter of fact, I'll tell you another thing about this church. We have two people that have to sign a check before we can do anything. I am not... On that list. I don't want to be. I don't take care of the money. I don't know how much you give. It's none of my business how much you give. Let me tell you why. If I knew that this guy was a big giver, I would more than likely hug his, hug his, hug his neck. Man, is it good to see you? I mean, is there anything we can do for you here at the church? And I would zero in on him and I'd give all my hugs to him. And this guy didn't give so much, I'd go, man, it is so good to see ya. But I don't know, and I don't want to know, because I just want to love you. I just want to love you out of the purity of my heart. Plus, I don't want to be involved to make any kind of uh, financial decisions that might be uh, disruptive to the ministry or what I do here at the pulpit. I just want this to be as pure as possible, and I want to keep myself as pure to this as I can. And so it might be a nice thought, Pastor, you're trying to meddle in our affairs and the money, but I'm telling you, the Bible has much to say about giving this is going to set your heart free. You're going to learn how to handle the money that the Lord God has given to you so that you can understand our giving properly until the Lord carries with it, as I've already just read, because I told you I jumped ahead, one of the greatest blessings. If you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. And if you, if you, uh, if you uh, sow bountifully, you will also reap bountifully. And I want you and me. I want us to be a blessed church. And so we want to learn about giving because I believe that giving improperly unto the Lord has allowed some as Christians to unknowingly dishonor their God in the way that they have handled their money. Look at Malachi. Malachi is really easy to find. It's, it's, it's uh, the, the book just before Matthew. So if you go to the start of the New Testament, Malachi is the book just to the left of that. And I want you to look with me at Malachi uh, chapter 3. I know that it mentions here tithe, but I want you to know, we're going to learn in the the process that a tithe was a tax. The offering was the free will offering that they gave. That's why King David said, I've given you beyond. I have given you above what I've already given. And so I do not want you to miss the blessings. Listen to what Malachi writes in verse 8. God is speaking, will a man rob God? God says, yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have I robbed you? And he answers, in tithes and in offerings. The tithes they offered that they robbed him were when they gave him blind animals or lame animals. Their offerings were their, the goodness of their heart, what they gave up and, up and beyond that. He says, you're cursed with a curse because you are robbing me, it says in verse 9, the whole nation of you. And then he says in verse 10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. And test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. Test me to see if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. And that's what I want for you. I long for you and me to be blessed by God. I want us to be blessed by God in how we serve him with our spiritual gifts. I want us to be blessed by God of how we give back to Him and the physical talents that He has given to us. I want us to be blessed by God how we study His Word, how we forgive one another, how we deal with forgiving those who have hurt us. I want us to be blessed by God how we walk with Jesus Christ on a daily basis, that we would be continually devoted to Him. I want us to be blessed by God by how we pray to Him and how we honor Him now with our prayers, not going to Him and saying, Give me, give me, give me. He already knows what you need. But we go to him and say, praise you, praise you, praise you. And I want us to be blessed by how we live out our lives by faith. Trusting in God. Now let's just take a look at, in the last five or ten minutes that we have of two aspects. Now we're just going to turn to First Timothy chapter 6 and we will, we will end in First Timothy. So you don't need to hold your place in anywhere else. First Timothy chapter 6, we are taught that we're not to love money. First and foremost... Because loving money can plunge a person into ruin and destruction if we're not careful. It can cause all sorts of evil. There is nothing wrong with being wealthy. In fact, I wish that upon all of you that want to be. My wife has asked me to tell you that don't wish upon us that we were wealthy. Although I would love to have been wealthy this past week. I had a friend of mine call me. Someone that I love more than my life itself. And he's been really rich all his life. And all of a sudden, the rug got pulled out from under him. And he needed some help. And I would have loved, I would have loved to have been, you know, just a billionaire. So I could have walked into him and said, here. That's the only time I would want money. But It's okay asking me to, ask you don't pray that we're rich because we don't want to be rich. We're already rich. But I want richness for you if that's what you want. But by God, I don't want you to want it as a passion. Remember it says in Peter Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. He'll exalt you at the proper time. Cast all your cares upon him. He cares for you. That's 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7, or it's 1 Peter 6, 7, and 8. No, it's 5, 6, and 7. Paul tells us not to love money. Look what he says in 1 Timothy chapter 6. He says, we have brought nothing into this world. Hold, stop for a moment. The idea is he initially gives to us. You and I came in empty-handed. And we are to give back to him. That's the cycle of giving. We have brought nothing into the world, so therefore we cannot take anything out of it either. If we have food and covering, with these we should be content. But those who want to get rich, it's not those who are rich. That's nothing wrong with being wealthy. But those who want to get rich will fall into temptations and snares. Many foolish and harmful desires will will plunge men into ruin and destruction. Because he says in verse 10, the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. By some, some by longing for it, have wandered away from the faith, have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. I'll tell you just one little example of that. Seen people, been in ministry now long enough to see people all of a sudden get their feet underneath themselves and make some money and, and, and make more money than they had hoped that they were going to make. My, my son even told me, I, I have a chance, Dad, to, to really make a lot of money. And I said, get them, son, go get them. You know? But I've seen people get really wealthy and, and then buy a home up in Lake Arrowhead or Big Bear. And all of a sudden they want to, you know, their family's growing up and they want to have their family together. And so what do they do? They they, they run up to, to Big Bear or, or Lake Arrowhead during in the weekend, you know. Mommy and Daddy work hard Monday through Friday. You're in school. Let's get away. And they take the kids up there and they go up on the weekend. What do they do on the weekend? They have a wonderful time, but they miss church normally. Or they don't go to the church where they're grounded in. And they don't become a part of that church. They're just kind of up there and they go to church or they don't. and. And then they come down and every once in a while they come to church. And then they go back up and do their thing up there. And and I've seen, I've been in it long enough to see when their children get older, you know what happens? The kids don't come to church anymore. It's not that important to mom and dad. Therefore, it's not become important to them either. And some people have, by wanting to get rich and not understanding how to deal with the money, have wandered away, as it says in verse 10 here, wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. There is no greater grief that you will have than to have children that don't really come to know the Lord in a real, I mean, continually devoted to Him and then watching your grandchildren be raised without knowing the Lord. Pierce yourself with many griefs. We're not to love money, but we're also not to put our trust and our hope in it either. Look at verses 17, 18, and 19, and we'll see that Paul writes the same thing. He teaches and instructs us, just like I want to do. It says in verse 17, "Note: instruct, instruct, teach those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but rather fix their hope on God who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Note, Paul writes again in verse 18, instruct them, teach them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous, to be ready to share, storing up for themselves the treasures of a good foundation for the future, so that they might take hold of that which is life indeed. In the weeks to come, God is going to teach you and me from His Word on how we handle our spiritual gift, How we handle our physical gifts and how we handle our financial gifts or monies that we receive. What we do when we gather them together in this pile called our lives. And we have this here. What portion do we give back to God? And we're going to see how to lay up treasures for ourselves. A good foundation for our future. Which Paul writes is truly life indeed. What I want you to learn more than anything else through all of this is how God desires to bless you. He wants to bless you and me far greater than we ever imagined. He has blessings stored up for you and me in heavens. He's waiting for us to take what He has given to us to measure it out and to give back to Him what is His. And He doesn't want you and me to give one iota more than what we can willingly give Him. What we can give ungrudgingly. What we can give, not under compulsion, but what we can give in our delight. It is my firm belief. There is a place I'm going to teach you in Scripture. It's in Exodus. Moses said to the people they were giving, and they gave willingly, out of their hearts. It wasn't a tax. It wasn't a tithe. It was what they gave unto the Lord, Moses went to the people ultimately and said, Stop. You've given too much. I don't think you're going to ever hear me say that. And I'll tell you why. Because what we get in abundance, we will either give to other churches. We, Pastor Wes has taught me, we know what it's like to feel abandoned. We know what it's like to have a man who had a church congregation of about twenty people, I guess, Mark, right? Open up his heart and say, Yeah, you can share this place with us. We know what it's like to be in need and to be in want or whatever the word is. And so if we learn how to give, and there is so much money here, we could we can plant other churches, we can we can support missionaries, not Partially, we can support them so that they can go and do what they're going to do without having to worry where they're going to get their next meal from. We can do it properly if we learn to give in our delight and willingly. And no one's going to tell you how much to give. That's between you and God. And no one is going to force you, not me, we want to build out the thing for our, our young people back there. We don't have the money to do it right now. As a matter of fact, we're kind of we're kind of going now from hand to mouth kind of thing. That's okay. That's all right. We believe that you'll. Well, we know that God knows. We believe that when you know this, you'll give. But no more than you have to. No more than you want to. Just out of the. Out of your heart. It's like that video. How, I don't know how many of you were here. Third Friday. It's inspiring, really. It, should we show it? We'll we show it sometime again. It's just the vastness of our of our of our universe. And how great God is. How things are measured in millions and, and billions. And even figures I'd never heard the words of. I don't know what he called it. Lots of money. Lots of money. Look, I'm talking about money, not money. Lots of distance. It's he, measured out light years away. And he said, when he saw the size, when he realized the size of this one star that was in our galaxy, he saw how how foolish it was for him to tell God what he wanted. I don't know, God. I'm, you better shape up. You're not doing so good in this area. We understand that God's in control, God knows about this church. I believe, it is my hope that he loves this church because we don't want anything from ourselves. We want to teach the word of God, and we want you and me to honor God. That's all we want. That's all we want. I believe God will bless us. I want you to be on that board. I want you to be a part of it. I want you to receive the blessings. Thank you, Father God. Teach us well. I pray, dear Father, that you would stop anything that I might teach that's incorrect. This is really too critical, Father. I do not want to mingle. I don't want to meddle in anybody's business in their homes or in their finances. I I don't, Father. And so I pray with all my heart that you will teach me well and hold us true to your word. Just as we learn that we need to know your word and we need to have fellowship and we need to have a communion so that we can remember your son and all that he has done for us, dear Father, and how we can pray and just honor your holy and righteous name as we saw King David do, that you also will teach us correctness of, of giving, how to handle the things that you have so graciously given to us, and that this cycle of giving that you have begun, that we will complete. Thank you, Father, for the people of this church. Love them so much. Bless them wherever they may be and wherever they may be going. Uh, Thank you, Father, in Jesus' precious name, amen. Love you all so much. I'll see you next week. Have a wonderful, wonderful time.